If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Welcome back to Nightfalls, the bedtime story show of classic and original stories designed to guide you into a calm and peaceful sleep. I'm Geoffrey Newland, and tonight, join me by the fireside as we meet up with retired detective Sherlock Holmes as he is drawn into another intriguing puzzle. This mystery unfolds on a moonlit night when Sherlock witnesses a boat gliding towards the shore. However, in a curious twist, the vessel swiftly alters its course and sails towards an unknown destination with surprising urgency. Intrigued, Sherlock enlists the aid of a newfound companion and together they discover the true path of the boat. Before we begin, here's a quick word from our valued sponsors who make this free content possible. It was a beautiful spring evening in the coastal town of Inglewood Bay and retired detective Sherlock Holmes was sitting on a folding chair atop a hill that overlooked the vast sea. Yet it wasn't the gently undulating waves that had his attention, or the way the reflected moon bobbed on the water as though dancing to a moonlit melody. It was the starry sky that he was fully focused on. He had joined the town's astrological club a few months ago and had swiftly become immersed in everything to do with constellations, faraway planets, and the fascinating research that was taking place among scientists around the world. These were subjects that he discussed at length with the other members of the club, and they never tired of topics to talk about during their meetings. The group had met up that evening, 
not to talk about anything, but to witness a rare astrological event that would be taking place that night. According to the scientists, there would be a meteor shower that may or may not be visible depending on the weather conditions. As soon as Sherlock and the group had heard about the event, they had agreed that a position on the town's hilltop would give them the best view, and that's where they had taken up residence hours before the event was predicted to commence. They had brought warm blankets and hot drinks with them, along with the most powerful telescopes available to them. When Sherlock's landlady, Mrs. Pemberton, had heard about his starlit adventure, she had packed a full picnic basket for him and included freshly baked scones and cakes. And she told Sherlock there was enough for him to share with his new friends. He had given Mrs. Pemberton his heartfelt thanks and said there was no need to make a fuss. But he had to admit that he rather liked being fussed over sometimes. Sherlock had promised Mrs. Pemberton that he would give her a full report of his evening's activities, but said it wasn't likely he would return home before midnight because as well as watching the meteor shower, he would be discussing the event with the other members of the society, and that could go on for a while. And now, beneath the blanket of stars... Sherlock gazed wistfully at the sky through his telescope. Thankfully, and rather considerately, the star-filled sky was clear that evening, and there wasn't a single cloud in sight. It was peaceful and quiet on the hill, and all he could hear was the soothing sound of the waves lapping upon the shore. But then... He heard the distant sound of something else, something very unusual considering how late in the evening it was. He lowered his telescope and listened more closely. It was the noise of a boat engine. Who could possibly be out on the sea at this time? Sherlock's natural curiosity got the better of him and he trained his telescope on the dark waves of the sea. He could just make out a vessel heading towards the bay. Rather fortuitously, a beam of light from the nearby lighthouse swept across the sea and illuminated the boat. It was a passing beam, but it gave Sherlock enough time to get a good look at it. It was a large vessel, perhaps enough for a crew and a handful of passengers. There was a wooden cabin at the front of it, and he made out a couple of people inside the cabin, one of whom was steering the vessel. A light plume of smoke rose from the funnel stack and drifted upwards. He noticed that the funnel was lilting lightly to the left. The hull of the boat was painted in a vibrant white, and he counted six portholes along its side. Where was it going? And who was on board? He cast a glance at his friends, 
and was tempted to ask them if they had noticed the boat. But they were thoroughly absorbed in watching the night sky, so he decided not to disturb them. Sherlock looked back at the boat, but to his surprise, he couldn't see it any longer. He could still hear the distant hum of its engine, though. Perhaps it had changed direction and headed back out to sea. He checked the time on his pocket watch. Midnight. It was an awfully peculiar time for a boat to be out. But then again, it was a peculiar time for him to be out too. He smiled as a thought alighted in his mind. Ah... What if the people on board were planning to watch the meteor shower too and thought a good way to do that was by taking up a position in the sea? Yes, that sounded possible. Satisfied that his curiosity had been satisfied, Sherlock aimed his telescope back at the skies. A short while later, the spectacular show in the sky began. It was mesmerizing to watch, and Sherlock gazed in wonder at the shooting stars as they zoomed across the dark sky and left sparkling trails of stardust behind them. He completely forgot about the mysterious midnight boat. Until later, when he was walking back to town with his friends, he mentioned it to them and expanded on his theory that it was probably another group of enthusiasts watching the meteor shower. His friends weren't so sure and thought that if that had been the case, why would the boat move on instead of dropping anchor for a while to watch the sky? When Sherlock described the boat, none of his friends recognized it but pointed out that the vessel probably looked like many others around that area. Even so, they too wondered where it had gone so swiftly and why. After some discussion, they thought the people on the boat had most likely changed their minds about visiting Inglewood Bay and had sailed further along the coast to one of the larger seaside towns. And thus, the mystery was brought to a conclusion. Almost. When Sherlock awoke the next morning, his thoughts instantly returned to the midnight boat. His detective instincts told him there was something different about that vessel, and he was still intrigued about where it had gone after sailing away from Inglewood Bay. He casually broached the matter of the boat with Mrs. Pemberton when she brought a breakfast tray to his room a while later. He gave her the full details of his sighting, then casually waved his hand dismissively and said it didn't matter if he found out where the boat had been heading. Not really. He was merely curious about it. That's all. His apparent lack of interest didn't fool Mrs. Pemberton whatsoever, and she said, You should look into the matter, Mr. Holmes. You haven't had a mystery to delve into for a good few weeks now, and I can see how much interest you have in this one. So why don't you start making inquiries into it? 
Sherlock shook his head and replied, Oh, I couldn't possibly. What if someone needs my help on another matter? Then I shall take their details and pass them on to you later, Mrs. Pemberton replied in her no-nonsense way. She could see that he still wasn't convinced and added, If I may take the liberty, Mr. Holmes, I would also like to know more about that boat, and if you don't have anything else planned for today, I'd like to hire you to look into this matter on my behalf. But don't be back late for supper, please. I'm making shepherd's pie, and I know how much you love that. A twinkle alighted in Sherlock's eyes. He said, I will gladly take on your case, Mrs. Pemberton, and as always, there will be no charge for my services. I can confirm that I don't have any pressing matters that need my attention, so I'll be able to start my investigations after breakfast. How does that sound? Mrs. Pemberton smiled and said it sounded perfectly acceptable to her. As soon as she turned to leave, she said, I know you have your own way of doing things when it comes to solving mysteries, Mr. Holmes, but you might want to start with Mr. Irving Reynolds, who lives in those whitewashed cottages on the seafront. His home is the middle one with the navy door. He was a sailor for many years and now sits for hours in his garden, looking out to sea. You can't miss him. He always wears an old sailor's hat. Please pass on my regards when you see him. She reminded him about the shepherd's pie again and left the room. Sherlock enjoyed his hearty breakfast, which was made more delicious by the thought of a new mystery ahead. He left the boarding house a short while later with a spring in his step. He walked along the promenade and bade a cheerful good morning to all those he passed. He kept looking towards the sea in case the mysterious boat should make a return appearance. But alas, it never did. Sherlock headed towards the row of whitewashed cottages that faced the sea. He'd walked past them many times before and always said hello to any occupants he saw in their front gardens. One of those occupants was often an elderly chap who would sit on a bench beneath his window with an old-fashioned sailor's hat firmly in place. Sherlock and the chap had shared many a friendly wave over the garden wall during one of Sherlock's walks. He reached the house where the elderly chap lived and noticed that his front door was navy in colour. He was very pleased to see that the elderly chap was sitting in his usual place in the garden. Sherlock stopped outside the gate, tipped his hat politely and said, Good morning. May I ask, are you Mr. Irving Reynolds? The man chuckled and said, I certainly am. I know who you are, Mr. Holmes, and I know about the cases you've solved in this town. Are you on a case now? Indeed I am, Mr. Reynolds, and according to my landlady, Mrs. Pemberton, who sends her regards, it might be something you could help me with. If I may intrude upon your time, that is. Mr. Reynolds sat up a little straighter and smiled. 
I have all the time in the world for you, Mr. Holmes. Come in, take a seat. The view is lovely from here. Sherlock opened the gate and walked along the path. He sat down next to Mr. Irving and took a few moments to gaze out at the rolling waves of the sea. He agreed with Mr. Reynolds that it was a lovely view. They exchanged pleasantries and agreed to call each other by their first names. After a little more conversation, Sherlock explained why he was there and asked if Irving had seen the mysterious boat. Irving gave Sherlock a direct look and said, I have seen that boat, but more than once. I first saw it four years ago, and it was at sunset, and similar to what you saw last night, it appeared to be sailing towards the bay, but then inexplicably changed direction. You're right about it looking like many other vessels out there at sea, but the boat is slightly different because the funnel is much newer than the rest of the boat. I noticed that straight away when I first saw it, and the funnel leaned to the left. It must have been caught in a gale at some point for that to have happened. Sherlock admitted that he had noticed how the funnel did incline to the left, but he hadn't noticed that it was a new addition to the boat. He laughed lightly and added, I don't think I would have reached that conclusion even if I had seen the boat in broad daylight. I respectfully disagree, Irving said good-naturedly. You are a great detective and I'm certain you would have noticed that small detail. Would you like me to tell you more about that boat? How often I've seen it and the navigation paths it has sailed? Sherlock said he would like that immensely and was impressed when Irving produced a notebook from his shirt pocket and advised the retired detective that he always wrote down unusual events in his book or those incidents that caught his attention for some reason. Sherlock listened intently as Irving referred to his notes and talked about the occasions when he had seen the boat. His notes were extremely detailed and included precise locations, the tide times and the phases of the moon when applicable. When he'd finished, Irving lowered his notebook and said, There seems to be a pattern to the boat's movements over the years, something that's not fixed to a formal timetable as such, but rather something to do with nature's timetable, if you get my meaning. But what that is, I don't know, and it's been puzzling me for a while. I know other people in town have seen the boat too over the years. Sherlock asked if Irving had the names of those other people. I do, Irving replied. I'll give you the addresses as well. When you solve this mystery, which I know you will, could you let me know what you've discovered, please? I'd love to know where that boat goes. Sherlock had a better idea and said, Why don't you join me on the case? I find that having an assistant always helps me. Two heads are better than one, and I must say that I'm impressed with your observational skills. You would make an excellent detective. What do you say? Would you like to help me further with my investigation? Irving was too surprised to speak. He looked at Sherlock 
then out to sea, and back to Sherlock. He finally said, You don't know how much that means to me. Thank you, thank you so much, and my answer is a resounding yes. He flipped open to a new page in his notebook, pulled a pencil from another pocket, and asked where they should go first. Sherlock said they should speak to all of the witnesses who had seen the boat and start with whoever lived closest and then take it from there. Irving, if there is a pattern, as you suspect there is, that pattern should take shape as we move deeper into our investigation. And with a bit of luck, it might resemble a pattern that one of us, or both of us, will recognize. Note it, Irving said. He swiftly made a list of those people who had seen the boat, smiled, and then said, What a great adventure this is going to be. Sherlock agreed. The two men rose from the bench and politely ignored the creaking of knees that possibly came from both of them. Sherlock and Irving walked towards the home of the first person on their list. On the way, Sherlock asked Irving about his days as a sailor and the lands he had visited. Irving spoke fondly about the faraway places he had travelled to, the wonderful people he had met there, and the exotic wildlife he had encountered. He spoke so vividly and in such detail that Sherlock easily imagined himself right alongside Irving as he gazed upon elephants and flamingos living in lush jungles on the other side of the world. They soon reached the home of the first person on Irving's list, who also happened to be a retired sailor. He too had kept detailed notes about the appearance of the boat. In addition, he had drawn those location points on a map of the town. He happily gave the map to the detecting duo, and said they were welcome to add more information to it as they continued on their way. Irving promised to return the map later, along with details on how the mystery had been solved. Sherlock was touched by Irving's confidence in his sleuthing skills and hoped he wouldn't fail to solve the mystery of the midnight boat. But Sherlock needn't have been concerned because as they spoke to more people who had seen the boat and added more details to the map, a pattern did indeed begin to appear. It helped greatly that some of the people had also seen the boat in neighbouring towns too, which gave them more information to add to the map. Sherlock spotted a pattern first, but wasn't sure if it was of any relevance so he asked Irving to join him for a rest and a cup of tea at a local cafe. Once seated, Sherlock opened the map and drew Irving's attention to the flowing lines they had created on the map, those areas where the boat had been spotted and at what times of the year that had happened. Sherlock said, Does this pattern remind you of anything? Irving looked at the map. His face creased in concentration. A slow smile began to spread across Irving's face. He looked at Sherlock and said, 
Is this what I think it is? Sherlock smiled. What do you think it is? Irving replied. The migration path of birds, possibly. I've seen such patterns before in my travels. Not quite like this, but very similar. I have also seen these patterns before. It was whilst I was investigating a case in London many years ago. My client was a respected ornithologist and had lost some important maps during a recent house move. I helped him to locate the maps and he went into great detail about the migration paths he had drawn on them, especially those of lesser-known birds. Fascinating fellow. I've never forgotten what he told me. Irving looked at the map and said it all made sense now and the people on the boat must have been following a certain species of bird. Irving said, I wonder if the birds change direction now and again because of unexpected weather or some other unusual events, which then caused the boat to suddenly change direction too. Sherlock nodded and said, That did sound probable. Irving continued, Why are people sailing so late at night though? Why don't they just sail through the day? Sherlock smiled and said, I might know the answer to those questions. Birds fly quicker than humans can move and ornithologists are often a few hours or even days behind them. And, as such, they sometimes have to journey at night. The boat last night must have followed the flight path of the birds as they headed towards Inglewood Bay and going by past experience, They knew the birds would settle somewhere near our town, perhaps on those cliffs to the west of the bay, and they also knew they would catch up with the birds at some point. But, as they sailed closer to the bay, the birds must have taken off again and flown towards a different destination, perhaps a town further up the coast. Maybe the birds sensed the forthcoming meteor shower and wished to nest somewhere less exposed than the cliffs of our town. Irving nodded. Oh, that does make sense. I wonder what birds these people are following and where the birds rest. Do you think they have photographs of them? I'd love to know more about them. Sherlock tapped the map. If our calculations are correct, and taking into account the unusual events of last night, the boat should be heading towards this area next. It might even be there now. If we walk along the coastal path... We could be there very soon. What do you think? Shall we go there now? Irving said they absolutely should. They quickly finished their refreshments, rolled up the map and left the cafe. They walked along the coastal path and before too long, they arrived at the next town. To their immense delight, the mysterious boat was moored in the harbour. Even better, the captain of the boat was sitting inside the cabin enjoying a warm drink. When Sherlock and Irving approached the captain and explained why they were there, the captain smiled and explained that, yes, his boat had been following the flight path of a certain type of bird last night. The birds were lilac-crested swallows, were extremely rare. The captain continued with his explanation, 
and said he had been sailing towards Inglewood Bay because the birds always stopped for a day or two to rest on the cliffs, which gave his passengers ample time to observe the birds at night and during the day. But the resting birds on the cliffs had unexpectedly taken to the midnight skies and flown further up the coast and settled there instead. The captain said that hearing about the meteor shower now explained why the birds might have suddenly flown away from Inglewood Bay. With a bemused smile, the captain said, These passengers have hired my boat many times over the years, and these particular birds lead us a merry dance sometimes. Just when we think we've got their flight path confirmed, they change their minds and head somewhere else instead. We don't mind. It adds to the fun and excitement, and it often leads to midnight journeys across the sea. Would you like to see them? The passengers of my boat are with them now. I can take you there. Won't we disturb them? Sherlock asked. The captain chuckled. Not at all, the lilac-crested swallows seem to love being the centre of attention. I reckon they thrive on the adoring affection they receive from us. The captain led Sherlock and Irving over to a half-hidden cove where the birds were resting. The birds had golden-brown feathers covering their little bodies, apart from a small, fluffy crest of lilac feathers on their heads which, Sherlock mused, made the birds look like they were wearing hats. The beautiful birds did, indeed, look like they were posing somewhat as they strutted across the sand or reclined in nooks in the rock face. They were a spectacular sight to behold, and Sherlock and Irving stayed for a long time observing the birds and listening to many interesting facts from those who had followed their flight paths for many years. Before Sherlock and Irving realised, the day had drawn on. They agreed it was time to head home. They said goodbye both to the people and to the birds, and then headed back along the coastal path. They talked about the mystery they had solved and the lovely people they had met. They said that seeing the wonderful birds had certainly been the highlight of their investigation. Sherlock walked Irving back to his cottage and thanked him for his help. Irving said it had been a pleasure and he was always there if Sherlock needed help of any kind. They said farewell and Sherlock went on his way. He looked at the vastness of the sea and then up at the sky and the mysteries it had revealed and those that would be revealed in the future. Sherlock returned back to his lodgings in perfect time for Mrs. Pemberton's tasty shepherd's pie which was made even more delicious because of the mystery that had been solved. He sincerely hoped there would be a new mystery that required his attention very soon.